Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever, what does that mean? Just the elect, the few that God has foreknew? No, it means for everybody that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But God, again, has the advantage of being outside of it all and to say, I know they're going to choose me. I know they're going to choose me. He knows the date. He knows the date. He knows the nanosecond when you were going to give your heart to him. He just has the foreknowledge. That's all. But you have to make that decision to follow him, to give your heart unreservedly over to him. Today on Truth in Christ Radio, we learn of heavenly inheritance that we have in Christ. Hi, and welcome to our study for today. Pastor Rob continues his teaching in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. He explains how we are all able to receive the heavenly inheritance given to us through our Lord's death and resurrection. It is available to every one of us when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and repent from our sins. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It is a gift from God, and all we have to do is believe. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. You might want to underline a few things, because in this verse you see the Trinity. You know, the Trinity, the word you're not going to find in the Bible anywhere, but the, you're going to find it all over the Bible. And this is one place. If you look just in verse 2 here, it says, God the Father, underline that. And sanctification of the Spirit, underline that. The sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ, underline that. The triune God, all one together. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all in the plan of redemption for our salvation. And elect according to the foreknowledge of God. This is a fantastic verse because it's hard for us to understand that God can understand things in the future. See, he reigns outside of time. He's the beginning and the ending. He was there when it, was, when it began, and he's going to be there when it, when it all ends. And he's seen it all as if it's already occurred because he lives outside of time. We, unfortunately, are trapped in this finite universe. We're here. We can't see what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen a month from now. But God, who sees, he's, uh, the Bible says that he inhabits eternity. So he can look upon it as if it's already completed. And that's why he has knowledge of your decisions. Does he modify you and and make you do something? No, he doesn't make you do something. But he has the wonderful benefit of his one or several characteristics that he has, his omniscience and omnipresence. He knows exactly everything. He He can't learn. He can't be fooled by something. 
And so he knows which of us are coming to him for salvation. Before we were even born, he knew this information. He knew those who would not come to him and ultimately would die in their sin and go to hell. He knows all of this. And yet every single human being, he gives an opportunity to come to him because no one will stand before the Lord in the day of judgment and say, I never knew. You never told me. You never sent anybody to me. Lord, and, 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 and as a righteous judge that he is, he, would, he could say, you're right. I didn't. <laughs> and then there's a conundrum, but that's never going to happen. The Bible says that even the heavens declare the glory of God, and the earth shows forth his handiwork, his genius. You look at everything under a microscope, and the closer you get, you can get a microscope and go and get an electron microscope and zoom in 2,000 times on anything, and the closer you get, the more intricate it becomes. The more, It's not like a pixelated thing, like a picture. You, you get in, you print out a photo and you can see the pixels. No, the closer you get, the more refined it is. That's just the way it is. That's amazing. He knows all things. He, and so in that case, he has foreknowledge. He knows already what's going to happen. But we are responsible to make the choice. Because remember, God cannot make a robot. He doesn't want a robot. He doesn't want somebody to just follow a script and say, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I serve you all the days of my life. (laughs) He doesn't want that. He wants somebody living and breathing, willing to say, you know what, God, you have saved my soul. You've forgiven me for my sins, and I gladly give you my life. What greater love is that when the God, the great God of all creation, offers you such a great gift, and you gladly receive it, and you understand it as much as you can? You grab it and you hold it and you're like, Lord, this is the most precious thing to me. No one can take it from me. It's mine because you gave it to me and I'm secured in Christ. No one can take it away. I can't even mess it up. I can't mess it up. When he gives it to you, it's yours forever. And you're going to make mistakes. You're going to blow it. You're going to sin. And guess what? You'll always come to the point, even if you're a little stubborn, (laughs) <laughs> you will come to the point where, like, God, I have messed up again. Forgive me. And he's like, I forgive you. It's that simple. Anybody who makes it anything more complicated than that is trying to sell you something, usually a book. <laughs> but God is simple in that, in that regard. Notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, because it talks about this idea of, of foreknowledge. According to, you know, um, who according to his um, abundant mercy, through his, uh, excuse me, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible. And so we look at this now and from verse 2 here. Actually, I just, uh, I messed that up too. Let's go back to verse 2. It says, (laughs) I've only had one cup of coffee today. No. So, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Okay, there, there's where we lie. But in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, I'm going to read it to you. You might want to just write these down because these are good to look at again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both of which are in heaven and which are on earth in him, in whom also we have obtained notice and inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance. Being predestined, there's a word that kind of messes you up. Predestined. We think of it like he's done something to us and therefore we can't change. We, can't, we don't have a will involved in it. No, it, it just means that because he knew in advance these things, he could predestine you. Does that make sense? It's a difficult concept. But, you know, I never struggled with it because I know that God knows all things. So I'm responsible for my decisions, but God knows those decisions that I'm going to make. And he stays out of the equation in in a sense where he doesn't make me say something. He doesn't make me do anything. He offers the gift of salvation and waits for me, for us to respond. That's the way it has to be. Notice in verse 13. In him you also trusted, and after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed. It's something that God does, and when he does it, he does it right the first time. He doesn't say, well, you're sort of sealed, but your seal is leaking. No, when he seals you, and he says, you're mine, and you've professed faith, it is a done deal. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you're going to make your mistakes. And you're going to continue to confess your sin. And like it says in 1 John chapter 1, if you confess your sin, he is faithful to cleanse us and to forgive us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that what the Bible says? Do you believe it? You must believe it. Because if you don't believe it, your life is going to be like this. You're going to have highs and lows. It's already going to be that way. But you're going to compound it by your unbelief of the Word of God. Believe what the Bible says. He says... Verse 14, who is, speaking of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance? Our inheritance is in heaven, and Jesus is our inheritance. Our guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. The day he comes back for us in the rapture, he's going to redeem what he has already put a down payment on. He's given us his Holy Spirit, and if you're born again this morning, you know it's in you. You know he is in you. It's a he, the Holy Spirit. It's not a she, it's not an it, it's a he. He is in you, and you know that, and it's a down payment. And one day God's going to come back and say, I can see my face, I can see my reflection in you. And just like we talked about a couple weeks ago the, of the magnet, like a, you know, is gonna, he's going to look down and what is like him, he's going to draw to himself because he's going to see Christ in you because of the Spirit of God which is in you. Isn't that great? I never grow tired of hearing that. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God. So all of your sins, all your mistakes, all of that stuff, everything that he allows in your life, everything that you've brought upon yourself, God is going to work together for the good. I love that. When you make a mistake and you you do something wrong and you know it's sinful and you do it publicly and everybody knows you've blown it, it's on the tabloids. God can use that for the good because then your heart is broken, you're contrite, and now you can share with people things about the depth of what God brought you through. 
And let me tell you, that's more important and precious than gold, as we're going to look at probably next week. I'm looking at the clock. <laughs> so it says in verse 29 in Romans 8, it says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be a first, the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he has predestined, these he has also called. And whom he has called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. You know, God is omniscient. He knows. He knows. And yet we are free to make free choices don't get hung up on this extreme Calvinism and Armenianism and, and, and get hung up on you know, trying to find yourself in one of these two camps. One says God is almighty, sovereign God, that's it. One says man is responsible. The truth of the matter is the Bible teaches both. And you have to get used to hearing both. And this is one of those verses that will confront you and God's sovereignty. But he also says in John 3.16, remember, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever, what does that mean? Just the elect, the few that God has foreknew? No, it means for everybody that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But God, again, has the advantage of being outside of it all and to say, I know they're going to choose me. I know they're going to choose me. He knows the date. He knows the date. He knows the nanosecond when you were going to give your heart to him. He just has the foreknowledge. That's all. But you have to make that decision to follow him, to give your heart unreservedly over to him. Sort of like in a blimp. I, I like to think of this in practical terms. And on Thanksgiving, we watched the Macy's Day Parade, and they got the, the blimp up there, right? Everyone down on the streets, they're freezing. It was one of the coldest Thanksgivings we've ever had in like 18, since 1875 or something like that. And so everyone is down there doing this and watching the, you know, the, the, the high school students wearing shorts, you know, you know, twirling. And you know, I'm like, what? But anyway, but there they are freezing. They look down and they can only see a little bit, maybe just a couple hundred yards either direction. But then they pan out to the blimp and the blimp can see the end of the procession from the beginning where it began. It can see the whole thing. But yet the person down there can only see just a few feet ahead of them on either side. They don't see the full picture, but God is like in that blimp. But even better, because <laughs> he's outside of time. Time, from what I understand, is a physical property. And God is not physical. He's a spirit. God the Father is a spirit. Jesus has a physical body. There's a man in heaven right now who is in a resurrected body, flesh and bone, he says. There's a man in heaven right now interceding for you and coming back for us. And again, I like what it says in Isaiah 57. It says, verse 15, it says, For thus says the high and the lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. God inhabits eternity. So rest your heart with this whole idea of God's sovereignty and your choice. The truth of the matter is it's both. And so don't get um, discouraged in that. And then he goes on and he says, in sanctification of the Spirit. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God and in sanctification of the Spirit. You know, we are positionally sanctified in Christ. From the moment we gave our heart to him at conversion, we were sanctified. We are sanctified from our past sins. We're sanctified from our current sins that we make right now. And ultimately, we're going to be sanctified when we receive that new body. When Jesus comes for us in the clouds, we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And it says that we will no longer have this propensity to sin. 
will be delivered, will be completely sanctified because of what he has done, not because of anything that I do, not because of some app that I have. Sanctification, thank you. No, there's no button I can press. It's something that God initiates. It's something that he holds by his power. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we read this a number of weeks ago, and in verse 3 it says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. God's will is that you would be sanctified, that you'd be set apart, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. This is from, you know, First um, Thessalonians chapter 4. So God is the one who sets you apart. And he loves to set you apart. I'm so glad that I've been set apart. I never asked him to come into my life. <laughs> Honestly, it's almost like he invaded my life at a time when I was in my darkest sin. I had a semblance, I had some... Roots from my past, people telling me about Jesus. There were some things rattling around in my mind about him. I knew very little, really nothing. But I love the fact that when I was in my darkest hour, God was there with someone to tell me the truth. And man, radically changed, radically saved. (laughs) Aren't you glad that you've been saved? For some people, it's a dramatic moment. Bam, like a lightning bolt. And that's what it was for me. It was just shaking the foundations of everything, just cracking me like an egg. And other people's, it's kind of, other people, it's kind of like a, a slow, gentle thing. And then you wake up one day and you're like, I believe all of this. It's been sneaking up on me all these years. And it bit me. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the way it is for some people. And regardless of how you get there, just get there. And know that when you're there, that you're one of his. It says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God, from the beginning, chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, you know, God knew, and he called you. He chose you. You know, there's this one illustration that I heard that I really liked of... of, of, of just this hypothetical gate at heaven, which I don't know if there's one there, but, uh, you know, you walk, you, you look at the door and it says, um, enter in all who want to be saved, you know. And then you walk through the door and then you look on the opposite side of the door as you get under there and you look back and there's another sign that says, save from the foundation of the world. It was your choice to walk through the door, but God knew that you were going to walk through the door. So he chose you. So if there's any doubt in your heart of, Lord, am I chosen? Am I one of yours? Make the proclamation of faith. Get on your knees privately, wherever, and just say, Lord, I give my life to you. I give my life to you. I give everything to you again, Lord. I just want to give it up. Have you ever tried to make your way in life? We all did, didn't we? I was trying to make my own way in in life, thinking that I knew best and that God would have to accept me because I'm a good person. Well, I'm not a good person. And I hate to say it, folks, but none of you are either. You're good now because of, because of the Lord Jesus, right? But we're all the same, right? The Bible says all of sin and come short. And then for obedience. 
In 2 Thessalonians, it says this in chapter 1, verse 3. It says, We are bound to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure and certainly these people were doing that, these people that Peter was addressing, which is a manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer. And they were certainly suffering. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. You know, you never trouble a child of God. Never trouble someone who claims to be a, a believer. In verse 7 he says, And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God, notice here, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So unto obedience we must obey. We must obey. And the sprinkling of blood of Jesus, excuse me, we know that Jesus' blood has been sprinkled on us, not literally, but figuratively, and therefore we are in the Beloved. It says this in Hebrews chapter 9. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, and not with blood of bulls and goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkle, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works and to serve the living God? Amazing, right? So elect according to the foreknowledge of God and sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and the sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ. And he says, grace to you and peace be multiplied. In verse 3, said, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. He's begotten us again. We were born physically, but we needed to be born again. He has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection is the ground. It's the very foundation of our faith. There is no other faith on the planet Earth that can claim that their guru or whoever their holy man was or holy woman died for, in their place. They don't even like to talk about sin. You never notice that? It's just blind submission. Why? Because I'm holy. Well, why are you holy? And what, what, is your, what are your demands? Holiness for everyone. And demands holiness. That's God's standard. But the resurrection, there is only one who was resurrected from the dead, who claimed to be God. The Bible foreknew the Bible talked about him hundreds of years in advance through the prophets, that Jesus would, would come, the tribe he would come through, the very mother he would be born through. 
Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God, this Son. Unto us a son is born. He's Almighty God, the Everlasting Father. This Son is the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.